0: I'm sad to say that today marks the end of our series called I Oh, I hope that's true for you. Uh, this series has been excellent for me, and I'm a pastor, and this is what I do. But just reminding me how special this day of every week is really meant to be. You know, in a very real way, how you treat Sunday will determine the priority in the pace of your life it's really that essential sundays were marked out by god for us to find rest for our bodies refreshment for our souls and to be reinvigorated with the message of the gospel of jesus christ to carry to those around us in a very real way sundays are meant to be different than every other day of the week last sunday as somebody was leaving They gave me a clipping from the newspaper, and it's from the most important part of the newspaper, the comic section. And uh, Baldo shows two guys riding their bikes out in, in the woods, and he goes, why can't every day be a Sunday? Going over Hill and Dale. And then down here he goes, dude, if every day was a Sunday, Sunday wouldn't be special. Today is meant to be special. It's meant to be unique from every other day in your week. And whatever it takes to make Sunday special, I hope you will make that commitment for yourself, for your loved ones, and ultimately, it's going to change everything. Let me explain. Today we're in the fifth and final uh, week of this series, and today we're gonna talk about how Sundays have changed the world. And when we get to the end, what I want you to see is that Sundays can still change the world. God's Sunday people have done remarkable things to bring beauty and good and and God's grace into this place. So today, if you have your Bible, today we're going to talk about Sundays have changed the world. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Acts chapter 29. Acts chapter 29. While you're opening, let's take a minute and pray together. Father, amen. What a great day as we've had testimony to an opportunity to reach out to our community through Candy Town, and we've had this wonderful testimony of you using us to touch people in Jamaica. Father, this is what the church is. We are your hands, we are your feet, and everywhere we go, we are meant to leave the aroma of Jesus. I pray in the next few moments we spend together that you will bless our time with knowledge that the church is the greatest uh, entity on the face of the earth. Please, Father, speak to us in Christ's name. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 29 this morning, and as you're leaping through your Bible, you're going Acts chapter 27, Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter Pastor Bill. There's a bit of a problem here. My Bible doesn't seem to contain a chapter called Acts chapter 29. And you know what? You're right. But you're incorrect. Let me explain. Jesus made this statement... Uh, Very early on in his ministry, he said this in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. I will build my church. The word church there is ecclesia, my called out ones, my unique people. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive posture. The idea is that even hell itself cannot prevent the movement of this thing called the church. So he intimated the power of the church here, and then the risen Lord Jesus Christ commanded his followers to go out. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the what? Where in that age, presently, Jesus was speaking to us. He was giving it to his disciples back then, and he gave it to us today. I'm going to build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. You are to go and make disciples of all ethne. That's every ethnic group, not just nations. And then the risen Lord Jesus Christ, just before he ascended into heaven, he promised the descent of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and Samaria, and what? To the very ends of the... That's right. So he intimated it in Matthew chapter 16. He commanded it in Matthew chapter 28, and he enables it by this descent of the Holy Spirit. This thing called the church is salt and light in our world. We preserve this world. We give light to people who are in darkness. The church is, is a mustard seed. It is a tiny little entity, but once it is planted, it grows to touch every part of this planet. The church is the most impactful force on the planet Earth. Amen? It really is. And so we have a lot of people today that are like, oh, church. You know, if somebody walks up to you and says, "Um, and and what do you think of God? Do you go to church? And sometimes we're like, yeah, I go to church. It's almost almost a bit of embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Don't ever be embarrassed by the church. Now the church in its history has had some black marks, things like the Crusades, the Inquisition, those are black marks, those are bad things, man. But the church is what is the foundation of what we call Western society. So all the things people take for granted today and enjoy today actually is a result of the gospel going out through the church. So. Even though people today say, oh, that church, the church, the church, what you need to say is if it weren't for the church, you wouldn't wouldn't even be here today. If it weren't for the church, you wouldn't enjoy the freedoms you have today. If it weren't for the church, you wouldn't be educated today. If it weren't for the church, if it weren't for the church, if it weren't for the church, you could never know God. So this thing called the church is the most powerful, impactful force on earth. Now, let me kind of walk you through Acts chapter 29. Are you ready? All right. Actually, we'll, be, we'll deal with Acts chapter, um, uh, the book of Acts, and then we'll hit Acts chapter 9. So um, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came, and the church was founded in Jerusalem. There was the initial light of the gospel. And so the church in Jerusalem grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it began to spread out. It touched into the areas of Judea and Samaria, and then along came a guy by the name of Paul. We know him today as the Apostle Paul, who ended up taking the message of the gospel on his first, second, and third missionary journeys into the northern part of the Mediterranean basin. And so he carried it into an area called Turkey today, and he planted churches all along the way. We have a a book in our Bibles called Galatians. The book of Galatians were to to the churches that he founded in an area called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And then he went on and he founded other churches in Ephesus and Philippi and in Colossae. And then ultimately we know he wound up in Rome. And so we have in Acts chapter 28 these words. It says, therefore, let it be known that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles because they will listen It says, and Paul lived there in Rome two more years on his own expense. He welcomed all that came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how Acts chapter 28 ends. And now in the immortal words of Paul Harvey, now the rest of the story. You see, Paul wasn't the only apostle. There were a number of other followers of Christ, the apostles. And they actually, according to church history, kind of fanned out over much of what they knew to be the world in that day. They went up into Armenia. They went into North Africa. And it is said that even Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? It is said that he went as far as India. Now, I've been to India twice. And in India, in southern India, in the area called Kerala, the state of Kerala, there is a group of churches there known as Martoma, Martoma. They are churches of Thomas. They would say that they go back to Thomas, the apostle. And so there's a very good chance that the gospel began to spread rapidly after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so all throughout this part of the world, the gospel was going forth and it was beginning to take root. The challenge is this part of the world was also known as the Roman Empire. And the Caesars had declared themselves to be Lord and God. Now there was an alternative God, an alternative Lord, who is making himself known, and that is Jesus Christ. So it caused a number of tensions to arise between the, the growing church and the political realities of that day. And so the children of God were constantly admonished to be careful how you live. Be careful how you live because our mission is the good news of the gospel, not political conquest. In fact, one of the early church fathers, his name is Tertullian. He was from North Africa. He said this, it is our care for the helpless and our practice of loving kindness that will brand us in the eyes of our opponents. We need to hear that today, don't we? These are the things that mark us out as the people of God. I believe Jesus said, all men will know you are my disciples by your one for another. He even said that when it comes to our enemies, we are to—that's it. The primary motivation for this thing called the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is love. Love for one another, love for our neighbor, and love even for our enemies. Why? Because the most important thing is somebody's eternal destiny. And that is why they were careful to maintain a, a separation between political powers and, and all that was going on because their goal was the souls of men and women and boys and girls not just to have places to call their own. And so Tertullian gave us, the early church, these warnings. Uh, another famous church father, his name is Augustine of Hippo, uh, told and admonished the people of God with these words, that bread which you keep belongs to the hungry. That coach which you preserve in your wardrobe belongs to the naked. Those shoes which are rotting uh, in your possession belong to the shoeless." That gold which you have hidden in the ground belongs to the needy. Wherefore, as often as you are able to help others and refuse, so often you did do wrong. You see, we were admonished as the people of God in the very beginning in very adverse political uh, times that the thing we're meant to do is love well. Love our neighbor, love one another, and love our enemies because the gospel was paramount. And so... We were having huge inroads in this thing called Rome. In fact, one of the Caesars said this, Emperor Julian, the impious Galileans. Now, the word impious means irreverent Galileans, followers of Christ. Why were they irreverent? Because they refused to acknowledge Caesar as God. So they were considered to be irreverent because they noticed another God, and his name was Jesus. Those impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well. And everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. They were getting worried. These Christians are having huge impact because they're actually meeting the needs of people that the the government couldn't. And so they realized something was beginning to happen. And sure enough, something did happen. The church, the church eventually overcame and defeated the Roman Empire. In AD 381, Christianity was made the state religion of the Roman Empire. Can you imagine that? The greatest political uh, military force on earth, and the church defeated it by love. In fact, Will Durant, a famous historian, uh, put it like this, and I thought this was good. He said, there is no greater drama in human record than the sight of a few Christians who have been scorned and oppressed by a succession of emperors, bearing all trials with uh, fiery tenacity, multiplying quietly, building order while their enemies generate into chaos. That's an impressive line. Fighting the, sword, fighting the sword with the word. Brutality with hope. And at last, defeating the strongest state that history has ever known. Christ or Caesar and Christ met in the arena and Christ won. Amen? That is the church. This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 and in Acts chapter 1. This is the church moving out, moving forward, and making a difference in the world. This is what we are a part of. This is what we're connected to. These are our roots. Now, sadly, often what turns out to be the greatest of blessings often can turn into the greatest of problems. You see, it is because the church was made the state religion. It is because the church was given power, political power. And whenever the church is given power, it will do anything it can to control it and to keep it and to expand it. And what happened was this. The movement of the gospel of grace and selfless love had now, been, now become about power, control, and manipulation. That's what happened in the early years of the church after it had overcome the Roman Empire. Jesus said this in John chapter 18 and verse 36, "'My kingdom is not of this world.'" Let me say that one more time, just in case we think we're building the kingdom of God here. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. So while Christianity had won the Roman Empire, uh, it continued to decline, the Roman Empire continued to decline, and the church, because it had lost its gospel drive to reach people, it began to fight amongst itself for territorial and political control and the Western Church, the Western Church schismed with the Eastern Church, today known as Orthodox, Greek, Russian, uh, Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, the Eastern Church, uh, or Western Church, known as the Roman Catholic Church, and the Eastern Church, known by Orthodoxy, they schismed, they separated, because they couldn't get along in 1054 AD, which meant that we were no longer able to meet a growing that had been birthed in the 7th century. What had been birthed in the 7th century was something called Islam. And Islam began to make advances up into this area and over into this area, in this area, and slowly but surely, the church lost its ability to, to grow and to influence and to make a difference, and the church began to die out. Mark my words, whenever you forget the purpose for which you were given and start to take for granted the grace and blessings of God, that marks the beginning of the end for any institution. Can I say that's true personally, that's true churchwide, and that's true churchwide. wide Anytime we forget why we're here and we take for granted the blessings that we've been given, that's what happens. And so today, this area of the world is known in mission circles as the 1040 window. It is 10 degrees latitude above the equator to 40 degrees latitude above the equator. This area that embraces North Africa, uh, much of the Middle East, as well as the East, uh, Asia, today is the most impregnable part of the world to the Gospel. Isn't that amazing? where we once held all the, all the terms, where we once held so much sway, where we once had so much authority and so much power, we became territorial. We forgot what we were really all about. And today, this area of the world represents two-thirds of the world's population. 87% of the poorest of the world uh, live here. Child prostitution and child slavery run rampant in many of these nations. There are horrific abuses to women and children that remain unchecked, including an epidemic of pedophilia. It is the stronghold for Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, and atheism. Nearly all of these countries represent totalitarian regimes, except for India, which is the world's largest democracy. But do you see what happened? We lost our purpose. We forgot why we were here. We turned it into about us. We turned it into political control, territorial taking. And when you do that and forget that we're here to rescue men's and women's souls, boys' and girls' souls, for the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church always loses. So today, this is the window of the world that most most mission agencies are trying to get missionaries into. It is very difficult, and it will cost many of them their lives because the church forgot why it was here. But the good news is <laughs> that in spite of the fact that man failed, um, God had a plan. And the, if you will, the, the uh, baton of the gospel was passed from this area of the world into what would be known as Northern Europe. So Christianity in the gospel in this area began to be re-understood. The gospel message, uh, the baton of the gospel was passed to northern Europe. Uh, John Wycliffe in England was called the morning star of the reformation. Martin Luther was in Germany. John Calvin was in France. And Ulrich uh, Ulrich Zwingli was in Switzerland. And they began what is known as the great reformation. They began to purify and understand again what the saving power of the gospel was all about. And out of this went forth all sorts of of people groups. And of course, to our shores in America, there came the pilgrims, and they were known as religious separatists, but there were also the uh, um, Puritans who were known as reform, uh, religious reformers. And so they went to the states and they began a movement there. Uh, Also, shortly thereafter, a man by the name of William Carey called the Father of Modern Missions, uh, went from England down into India, where he started again to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. A man by the name of um, Livingston, Dr. Livingston, I presume, went to Africa, and uh, a man by the name of Hudson Taylor fanned out into China and began to share the message of the gospel. So though the light went dark here, the gospel message of salvation grew here, and it has been transported all around the world. God knew what God was doing. Amen? God knew what God was doing. And I want you to notice this. Everywhere the gospel goes, there are benefits and blessings that attend it. Everywhere the gospel goes, there are benefits and blessings that attend it. So because of the word of God and a relationship with the living God, these things, these things... (laughs) become a reality. Everywhere the gospel goes, there is the, we value human life. Women's rights, children's rights now rise up because Genesis 1 tells us that everyone was created in the image of God. We now view people in a different way than the rest of the world looks at people. Uh, Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17 that God has made all peoples of one blood. Therefore we look at whatever ethnic group we're looking at and we understand there's the image of God looking back at us no matter how corrupted it may have become. So because of the gospel, we now look at people differently than other people look at people. And we now start to care about women. We start to care about children. We start to lift them out of poverty. We start to give them opportunity. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, the Bible wants to enslave women. Oh my gosh, the Bible's what ceased slavery of women, amen? This is the truth. If it weren't for the good news, And you can see how it plays out in much of this area of the world, how women are treated. It was the gospel that set women free. Compassion, entities like the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, were started by Christians. Hospitals, the first hospitals in the world were started by Christian institutions to meet the needs of those who were hurting. Orphanages all around the world have been raised up in the name of Jesus. Also, education. The first university in the world was founded in Paris. And it was a a gathering point for those people who loved God and were looking to understand the Word of God better. And, of course, all the major universities in America were originally founded as gospel institutions. Uh, Education for the masses, why? Why do we care if people can read and write? Why do we care if people get educated? Because we're the people of the book. This is what helps us to know God. This is what helps us to know how to please God. This is what it means to walk with God and to serve God. So we are the people of the book. And everywhere we go, our goal is to raise up education so that people can know God and know him through his book. In fact, we have translators through Wycliffe going all around the world, going into tribal situations, understanding how the spoken word works, putting down actual codifying the language and giving them a written language so they can understand the Bible. Amen? Amen. This is what the church does. This is the attendant blessings that come with the gospel. So education, modern science, all of the great uh, fields of science were originally founded by men who love God because we believe that all truth is God's truth. Amen? Think about that statement. All truth is God's truth. Whether it's special revelation or, or, yeah, or general revelation, all truth is God's truth. And so people thought if we could just explore general revelation a little bit better, we can understand the beauty of our God even more. And so all the modern sciences have come out of the, the church, out of the word of God, out of the message of the gospel. And today the things that we take for granted, civil liberties, free enterprise, representative government, all of those have come as a result of this thing called the church. Wow. You should sit a little straighter. You should, <clears throat> not so bad. Good job. Look what we've done by the grace of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We changed the world in so many ways. Don't ever be embarrassed about this thing called the church. Don't ever be embarrassed by the Bible. Don't ever be embarrassed by the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is who we are today. This is the foundation of Western society. This is the goodness of God. But, as you have noticed, things, they're changing You know, again, with the gospel, there comes attendant benefits and blessings, but it also comes with great responsibility. When America was being founded, or actually when the Puritans were actually coming across, a man by the name of John Winthrop uh, gave us uh, an interesting quote. John Winthrop was actually on a vessel called the Arabella in the spring of 1630. He was traveling to what would be the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and he gave a message on that ship to the people there called a city on a hill. Ever heard that statement before? Oh, yeah, I think Reagan quoted it. I believe Martin Luther quoted it. Well, that actually comes from this guy. It actually, comes from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. But uh, he, he gave this message to the people on that ship. Now, the only way to avoid shipwreck and to provide for our future is to follow the counsel of Micah uh, 6, 8. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. For this end, we must be knit together in this work as one man. We must entertain each other in brotherly affection. We must be, notice the musts. We must, we must, we must be willing to abridge ourselves of our superfluities. What is that? Superfluities. It's an old word for extra stuff all the extra things that we really don't need, we need to be willing to do away with those things for the supply of the other's necessities. We must uphold a familiar commerce together in all meekness, gentleness, patience, and liberality. We must delight in each other. We must make our conditions, we must make others' conditions our own. We need to rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission, which is the gospel, and community in the work as members of the same body. This was where America began. This was the understanding. How many of you have ever heard of Boston? Yeah. How many of you have ever heard of Beacon Street on Boston? City on a hill. Beacon Street. You see, that was the foundation of America. The understanding was we have the message of the gospel, which with all these attendant blessings and good things, but with the message of the gospel comes a responsibility, and that responsibility is lovely outlined uh, by none other than John Winthrop himself. You know, um, the Bible warns us with these words: Moses that's a long time ago said this to Israel as you 're about to enter the land, not unlike us in this land, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Thank you Jesus. However, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and have lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become lifted up. It's a word for pride. And you will forget the Lord your God. Beware. Lest you say in your heart, my power has, has, uh, and the might of my hand has gotten me well. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. The children of Israel going into the promised land. Those words hold true everywhere the gospel has gone. If we will but remain close to God, be on mission with him, live out the gospel, blessings follow, it's just what happens. But the problem is, after a while, we start to take the blessings for granted. We turn them into entitlements and rights and believe it is us who made it happen. Have you ever noticed how America trying to export its, its, all its goodness around the world, how unsuccessful we have been? It is because we forgot that the foundation of all the blessings that we enjoy come from the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that as a foundation, the blessings don't work. If you simply go after the blessings, you miss the point. The blessings come through obedience to Jesus. So today, in America, we have this dilemma happening in a very real way. America is starting to lose its fight. Somebody put it like this.
1: The promise of his faithfulness Can be seen across the land Our church bells ring in freedom We can worship as we please And work to achieve our greatest dreams In security and peace Our fields are full Silence.
0: There's a very good chance that the baton of the gospel is being taken from America and it's moving to other parts of the world because we have forgotten where our blessings have come from. But I don't want to leave you with that sense of the fact that somehow we have lost the message. We haven't lost the message. I just want to conclude by saying we still have this this message. The the truth of the matter is, Sundays have changed the world. But what I just want to say in conclusion is this. Sundays can still change the world, amen? If we are the church of Christ and we have the message of the gospel, we have everything we need in order to bring transformation even back to this country. I want you to vote in a week or so. I want you to exercise your your civic responsibility. It's not a duty. If you break a duty, you go to prison. A responsibility is something that you should do. So I want you to exercise your vote, but please hear me. Exercising your vote will not change this nation. It is by being the church that we will change this nation. Jesus has never rescinded this commission. Go and make disciples. And so I want to encourage you, be the church. Let's do this thing. And maybe the grace of God will allow the light to be rekindled and that we will again become a nation who is a city on a hill, showing the light of the glory of God to all those around. I want to give you some opportunities. Again, we've already talked about this thing called Candy Town. Please step into it. Be a part of it. It is a way of showing the light of God's love to those around us. It is going to win us an opportunity to perhaps have that next step in a lot of people's lives. If you haven't signed up for this or decided to help with us, please, right now, decide to do so. Please do so. We also have some other opportunities coming up where I hope you'll be praying and anticipating inviting people to join you. Christmas is just around the corner. Oh, let me say that again. Christmas is just around the corner. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how many shopping days there are until Christmas, but there's not many. It's coming. And we're getting ready to do our Christmas series, December 4th, 11th, and 18th. Fear. It's called Fear Not. And we're gonna talk about the fear of what God might be asking me to do, the fear of what people might think about me, and the fear of where I stand with God. Who are you inviting? Who are you gonna connect? The message of the good news of Christ will be there. And then we're gonna be having two services on Christmas Eve called Come to Worship. And we're actually going to worship Christmas Eve, uh, December the 24th, which is a Saturday night. And uh, we're gonna worship so well that night that we're not gonna hold worship on December the 25th on Sunday morning. Just letting you know that uh, because it is Christmas Sunday and we're going to have two very late services, we're putting a lot of energy into it. We, We are going to give everybody a sense of rest. You can worship at home and we'll give you resources to do that. But this is an opportunity to step into, to make a difference in the life of this church by reaching loved ones and neighbors and coworkers with the love of Christ. Amen? You see, we can still do something today. We can still be impactful with the gospel. We can still see God's attendant blessings come our way because they come with obedience to Jesus Christ. So those are some things you can do in-house, some things that we can do to connect people to us. But I also want to give you a couple of more opportunities that are coming our way. Uh, another opportunity is with this group called Lifestyles down in La Plata. Uh, Lifestyles, last year, uh, many of us went on their annual walk to end homelessness. That walk is going to be the 14th annual walk and it's going to be coming up on no- uh, Saturday November the 19th we're going to talk more about this next Sunday but on Saturday uh, November the 19th from 7 30 to 11 in the morning uh, we're going to have the walk again a number of us were represented at that walk last year we raised helped to raise a lot of money to encourage uh, the care for the needy and then also last year we provided 500 cans of cranberry sauce remember those of you who are here 500 cans of cranberry sauce and 500 boxes of stuffing. That's a lot of stuffing. But we're gonna do that again this year. We're gonna start all of this in the week or so to come, Uh, but we're gonna be reaching out to our neighbors, encouraging them to help them uh, be cared for in the name of Jesus. So those things are coming up, and please jump into it, be a part of it. And then one more thing I wanna tell you about Had a great time getting to know these folks at the Catherine Foundation. I know a number of our folks uh, work with them as counselors. Uh, I have been doing devotions with them the first Wednesday of every month this past year. What an amazing group of ladies. They are there and they are reaching out to gals who are in trouble, guys who are in trouble. And not only do they show them how to care for a baby, they also tell them about a God who loves them. And they are seeing a number of people come to Christ through that ministry. So if you're looking for ways to be impactful for the gospel in our community, I'd recommend either of these uh, institutions in order to be effective. (sighs) We're out of time. But I just want to say this. (laughs) I... Sundays have changed the world. God's Sunday people with the message of the gospel have radically transformed this world. And until Jesus comes, our mission doesn't change. Let's keep changing this world, one heart, one soul, one life at a time. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, you owe us nothing. And yet you are love, the Bible tells us. God is love. And so out of almost a necessity, you come to us and seek to woo us and win us and love us and transform us, because that's the kind of God you are. It is so good to be connected to you. It is such a rich blessing in this life and forever. Father, help us to be the church, not a building, but the hands and feet of Jesus. the lives of those around us. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said? No, no. You're supposed to say, I love. God bless you.